Hello and welcome to the July 27th, 2022 Empower Hour. I hope you're all having a great summer. Here in the North Okanagan where I live, the sun is shining, the gardens are growing, the farmers are gathering in yet another crop of hay, and everyone is finding time to enjoy God's beautiful creation. We have a great show planned for you, and we are so happy you're here with us. Tonight, our special guest speaker is Dan Fashon, and he's going to be giving us tips and advice on the gardening and food preservation in these uncertain times. For those of you who are watching live on Facebook, be sure to click on the link provided so you can join the webinar and have access to the entire show. Action for Canada is a grassroots movement reaching out to millions of Canadians and uniting our voices in opposition to the destructive policies tearing at the fabric of our nation. Through call to action campaigns, we equip citizens to take action. We are committed to protecting faith, family and freedom. For some of you here tonight, it's your very first time attending the Empower Hour, and it's always my pleasure to introduce you to Tanya Gaw, the founder of Action for Canada. For the past seven years, Tanya has been working to bring awareness to government policies that are damaging our beloved country. And with Action for Canada, she has created an incredible campaign to bring truth to our nation. Because of Tanya's great love for the people of Canada, she's always eager to share her wealth of knowledge. And her goal is to teach and empower each and every Canadian to stand up for their rights. Tanya's faith in God gives her the courage and strength she needs to do the right thing. And we are so grateful for her help, encouragement and inspiring example. My friends, will you please join me in welcoming Tanya Gaw. Hello, Tanya. Hi, Heather, and welcome to everybody. Thank you for joining us uh, this evening in the middle of summer. I know you could be off having a barbecue or something, but I think this is important, and you're part of our family, your friends and family, so we just really want to welcome you. Thank you for joining us tonight, and Heather, thank you always for your great introductions and uh, the PowerPoint that you created on some of the top points about Taboo Talks, for instance, coming back in the fall and things like that. So, all right, well, we'll see you in a moment. And uh, I can't wait, uh, every week it's like, oh, I can't wait to get to the guests, but you know, I have a duty here to uh, provide you with some updates. I've got some exciting things to tell you this week. Who doesn't like good news? Uh, so Terenzio, I will share my screen. And maybe before sharing my screen, I also want to welcome everybody that's with us on, uh, we're going live, so we're on Facebook Live. And if you... Um, if you, if you don't know about Action for Canada and somehow you came across a link and you're viewing this right now, you're, you're going to be just absolutely amazed at what we've been doing and uh, how far reaching we are across Canada. I hope it will really encourage you and give you some hope and the updates tonight are going to do that as well. Um, also, if it's your first time and maybe somebody sent you a link, please be sure to go to actionforcanada.com and actually go under join and join us. It doesn't cost anything. We don't charge a membership, but then you'll get the weekly emails I'll be reviewing as well as the invitations to the show. All right, here we go. We're going in. All right, so every week, as I've said, I love to start with our, our map that shows exactly what Action for Canada is doing as far as getting ourselves into every city and town across Canada. We put a bit of a pause on vetting chapter leaders. We're in about 150 or so uh, locations. We're sorting uh, some things out administratively, but we're beginning to uh, vet new leaders again. So please keep a 
keep a, an eye on the this page here. So if you were to go, sorry, I've just got to move something out of my way. Under join, you would see A4C chapters. And if you scroll down just a little bit, you can click on any of these links and then see where there is a chapter near you. Uh, we've had to do, we grew so fast that we've had to do, like I said, some administrative work in getting organized. Uh, and remember, the people that are stepping up to lead these chapters are, are just like people like you who have decided to get involved and start building communities. And as part of that, we are working very hard to uh, towards taking back every level of government. Right now, BC, Manitoba, Ontario, and PEI have municipal election and trustee elections coming up in the fall. And there's lots of um, individuals, even other organizations who are working to get good people elected. But Action for Canada is very strategically uh, reaching out to either individuals that are existing um, elected officials who are doing a great job and we wanna try to get them elected again or we're recruiting people, people who have interest and doing our best to support them. So if that's you, if that uh, happens to be something that you're wanting to do, is run as a school board trustee or counselor, do your best to get in touch with one of our chapters, even, even if it's one that's a couple of hours away, because who knows, it could be uh, an area where we're going to be uh, uh, launching a chapter shortly. Anyways, this is a work in progress. So when the federal elections come up and municipal elections come up, we want to be prepared, but we need you. We need you to be involved and to join us. And then as well, we've got lots of resources for parents and business owners and employees. It's just fantastic. And as we become educated and knowledgeable, there is power in that. And people will not succumb to the government's unlawful orders, mandates, tyranny. <laughs> okay, so under call to action, the reason as well that all of these chapters are so important is we meet with all of our chapter leaders on Mondays and we go over strategy. We go over what's coming out the following week, why it's important, where we can push back. And you can imagine when we send an email out to everybody that's joined Action for Canada, as well as our chapters, we're mobilizing people. And with that, we see results. One of those results is uh, for years, we've been fighting for this beautiful family, uh, the Ogunkoya family. They escaped from Nigeria to Canada. They had uh, converted from Islam to Christianity. There was a fatwa out on Morafat, the, the mother's life, and the kids are at risk if they go back and the government hasn't wanted to give them asylum. But they will, you know, allow illegal immigrants to just cross and pay the money and pay for their housing and their food, etc. So they went into hiding for a year in Canada. And uh, I've been working with Majed Al-Shefi um, in trying to help the work that he's doing with his lawyers. And uh, I'm very pleased to say that the government last week uh, reversed their deportation order. And that is because of the letter writing campaigns and the appealing and the calling and the donations that, um, you know, that people gave towards their legal costs. So I just want to give you a big, huge shout out. They still have a couple of little hoops to jump through. They still need a little bit of money to help them with their uh, legal challenge moving forward. Uh, but the, the government is, uh, is allowed them to stay. This is the second time they've had a deportation order. And we believe this time it is going to lead to full uh, asylum in Canada. So that's very exciting. I can't, uh, I can't imagine the, the cases that we haven't discovered where they've shipped people back uh, to um, just horrendous 
horrendous situations. Okay, the other one, I want to talk about this fella here. Uh, the other great news that we had the other day, of course, is that Arthur, Pastor Arthur Pulowski was vindicated. It, uh, his case had gone before uh, three judges in a court of appeal, and they had uh, uh, decided that this fella here, uh, Chief Justice Germain, that he was um, his um, injunction against Pastor Archer, the arrest of Pastor Archer, his jail time, the censorship order, and the fines were all illegal. And so that's a lot of information in our tool belt to reach out to the Canadian uh, Judicial Council. And I am asking every Canadian possible to write to them, file a complaint and say that you want this individual removed immediately. Uh, there have been judges removed. This is actually um, an article that I've somewhere added here, right here, that have been dismissed in Canada, a handful of them. Most of them step down before they're officially removed. So let's apply the pressure, let's get justice going, and let's let other judges know that um, if they are not working according to the criminal code and the law and they're in violation of the oath of the bench, they need to go, and they need to go swiftly. All right, on our homepage, I just want you to know that we are trying really hard to make our webpage as e easily navigated as possible. So we've got critical links down the side to campaigns or information that you may need. Um, at the bottom, we have now current issues. So you can click on whatever issue is important to you. If you don't like an issue we're dealing with, don't go to that page. <laughs> but don't send us a letter complaining about it because we feel these are important issues and they're important to someone and they're important to our overall strategy, although we don't always share what that's all about for various and, I, I think, um, obvious reasons. Uh, there will be a few more that we're adding there. We're, we'll add the legal page so you can easily get to that information, etc. As well, all of our uh, latest updates, the weekly emails, the top six, uh, as we go along every time I create a new one, it will pop up here in first position and bump the last one. So I'll carry on under um, weekly emails. This is where you find the information as well that we report on every single week. There's all, we're changing the format a bit, but there's always an Empower Hour invite. And then there's always an email to support what it is that we're going to be talking about, providing lots of evidence and information as to uh, why the government is acting unlawfully and what sometimes, almost always, we have a call to action of what you can do. All right, again, because I want to get Dan on here, I'm going to scoot through this. We are going to have amazing um, updates to the notice of liability. We have not updated them just yet. Um, as far as the COVID testing is concerned, and for those of you who know about our Drop the Mic letter, uh, we are including uh, multiple Supreme Court cases regarding the Privacy Act. And this is going to make these a very, not already that they weren't a very powerful, impactful letter, but now it's going to be even more so. Nobody has any right to access your private information, and it's according to Supreme Court rulings, and we're going to update those. So keep an eye on the page, as well as, sorry, I've got a checklist, the medical directive. We have also the medical directive, for those of you who don't know about it, actually, I'm sorry, it's up at the top. Here it is, Advanced COVID Medical Directive. This is for you to cut out and you tape it onto your healthcare card. 
so that if you have to go to the emergency for some reason and you're not conscious, it tells them that you do not want remdesivir or to be put on a ventilator, but it also has Supreme Court rulings on there and an automatic notice of liability QR code. But the Supreme Court ruling is going to tell them if they touch your body and they inject you, man, there's Supreme Court case to uphold your right not to have forced medical treatment that you do not agree with. And then I'm just going to close with, um, I'm not going to cover really the um, action today because I want to get to Dan. Please take the time. It's an eight or 10 minute read. We've got wonderful information included in here. And for those of you as well at the end, I thought it was so exciting to have Rocco on last week that I wanted to provide the video to you. We had a couple of technical difficulties, nothing nefarious, just technical difficulties, but it is loaded and back on the page again. And it's also on our Empower Hour. So be sure to check that out. Speaking of Empower Hour, when you go to click on the Empower Hour, there's this additional link. And if a guest has a PDF or PowerPoint, we always load it on this page so that you can access that information. All right, we're trying to be as thorough as possible because we want you to be fully equipped and educated because if all of us can take a stand in Canada against this tyranny, it cannot and will not last. Um, I also wanted to say that I'll just click off stop share. We're going to get right into it here. So be prepared, Heather. Uh, There's also some amazing wins that we've had last week. And I can't divulge what those are. It's uh, regarding some legal matters, not our constitutional case, but something else. As soon as I can update you, it's going to be within the next month. We will share that information. And on that, I want to encourage you uh, to continue to please donate to Action for Canada and the work that we're doing. It is vital to keep us up and running. And uh, functional, uh, donate also to our uh, legal action. Everything for the constitutional challenge with Rocco was all um, raised a year ago, but um, we are strategically taking on other things. We're not like some organizations, some law firms that are posting it all out there because we're not interested in the government getting ahead of us um, or if there's judges that haven't, you know, aren't aware of, of who we are or some of the people that we're working with, why give them a heads up? Okay, so we're being strategic. We're being smart about this. Um, all of our resources are for free. We have successfully gotten the mask off of our children. Uh, people have access to businesses because of it, and as well as people saving jobs and saving lives with our other notices of liability. This week, you're going to be super excited about this. We are coming up with a travel notice of liability for cross-border and domestic travel. You guys, it is an extremely powerful document. So keep an eye on the notice of liability page. But if you joined Action for Canada, you will automatically be emailed that document next week. It will have step-by-step advice on on how to deal with uh, border services, um, health officials who you shouldn't even be talking to at all. You don't have to talk to them. So we're going to educate you on a whole lot. We have a special guest coming on next week um, on this matter as well. And I'm super excited to get this document in the hands of every Canadian possible. So please donate to Action for Canada. Like I say, we do everything um, at no cost. 
don't worry about donating to us and that the government will uh, freeze your accounts. We're boldly and courageously honoring Canadians to protect you and protect the future of this country. And we need you boldly and courageously giving. All right. Thank you. Heather, would you come on and let's bring on Dan. And thank you so much, Tanya, for all the updates. I especially love all the good news, news reports that you're sharing. Amazing. So good. <laughs> Yay. Tanya, I'm so yep. excited to have Dan Vishan on tonight's show. The list of Dan's accomplishments literally is almost as long as my arm. He's a retired pastor, missionary, and paramedic, and he's currently involved in ministry with church outreach. As well, Action for Canada is so blessed to have him as the chapter leader in Sydney, Nova Scotia, and he's also the chapter team leader for the Maritimes. Pertinent to tonight's discussion, Dan has a great love of nature and the outdoors, and he's here to share his knowledge of farming, gardening, and preserving the bounty of the harvest with us. Dan is a man of faith and integrity, and we are so pleased that he can join us tonight. So will you all please help me welcome Dan Fashon. Dan, thank you for joining us today, and welcome to the Empower Hour. Thank you, Heather, and hi, Tanya. Hi, Dan. I've been looking forward to this, and I, and I think all of our viewers have as well. We've got a very good turnout tonight, so I'm excited about this. You know, as I was uh, preparing for the climate change um, uh, weekly action that I, I did a couple of weeks ago with Tom Harris, I learned so much about carbon dioxide and nitrogen and how these are absolutely no threat to the environment. And so, you know, having you on, uh, we've been meaning to do this for a couple of months. I wish we had done it a couple of months ago that so, uh, you know, in advance so people could be preparing their gardens, but we'll, we'll be ahead of it for next year. But I still think there's a lot that people can do preparing for the fall as the harvests are coming in. Go to the organic farms. We're going to learn about canning and preserving and root cellars and all the rest of it. And uh, so, Dan, I just want to hand it over to you and uh, let's get started with your presentation. All right. Well, thanks, Tanya. Um, when you called me just a little while ago here, I, I told you I, I didn't know what to wear tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I see some of the speakers come on and they're all just so formal. <clears throat> I had my Montreal Expo well, t-shirt you're... on and I took it off and I... I see some people logging on from my hometown of Montreal, and I thought, oh, I should have kept it on. But it's good to see so it, many people it, on here. It would have been totally uh, uh, acceptable. You look dapper. We're happy to have you on here. <laughs> so I'm just actually going to disappear for a, a bit and give you the floor. All right. Thank you. So we've got 550 people almost on here that I think like to eat. But um, here's what I need to just do uh, this evening. Before I just start this, I, I want to just share two things. Uh, I'm just going to barely skim the surface of what uh, we need to know. And I think most of you, I, I'm looking at some of the comments here. I think a lot of you know that there is a food crisis coming. And it's not because there's not enough land. It's not because that there's not enough seeds and, and blah, blah, blah. It's a, it's a plan. Thing. Just like there was a pandemic, there's a planned food shortage coming. And there's a few reasons for that. And I'm not going to get into uh, listing all of the, the food plants that have burnt down and have planes crash into them <clears throat> and all the other foolish things. But I, I do need to put things into proper perspective. And I'm going to bookend my presentation with something. And some of you may not agree, but you need to really understand the full concept 
of really getting prepared. And I mean, really getting prepared. So uh, the second thing I want to mention is because we're only skimming the surface, I have uh, a resource list that I've sent to Sheila. And it's, it turns out to be like a three-page uh, PDF document. And on there, there's a list of articles. There's a list of books. And there's a list of YouTube videos and YouTube channels that I follow. And so Sheila will be, uh, I see she just put it on there in the link, but it will also be on our main website as well. So <clears throat> everything that I'm going to reference here, I think I've got four or five different sections in the PowerPoint that'll take roughly about a half hour to go through. And you're not going to watch my face through this. So there's lots of pictures and lots of things uh, that I'll discuss with you. But uh, the first three sections or four sections maybe have links on the resource. So you'll be able to, once we're done this presentation at your leisure, or your leisure, however you say it, is go to the uh, the resources and click on each link. And some of them will take you to some of the things that I'm talking about to purchase or to watch or to read, okay? So let's go from there. So I'm gonna go to share screen. And um, let me see if I can find it here, right here. And I'm gonna go to here. All right, so let me go to the first page. All right. <clears throat> So first of all, I want to say thank you so much for joining me with me tonight. This is going to be fun. Uh, I, although we're living in uncertain times, this has been right up my alley. I've done a lot of things in my life. I've lived in quite a few places, but the last since 1989, I have lived in beautiful Nova Scotia. And uh, gardening here has been a little bit of a challenge. But uh, I did have nine children, so and they do like to eat. Uh, so, you know, we, we've had to do what we've had to do. So I, I've just titled this Prepping for Uncertain Times because these times are uncertain, as you can imagine. So as I said, I, I need to bookend my presentation with really, really getting prepared. So the first slide is this. You really need a survival tool. Now, some of you on this call may be saying, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the Bible. It's, it's a little bit too late not to believe in what's going on in, in not believing God in the Bible. And I'm going to really explain what I mean at the close of my, of my presentation. But here's the thing. Some of you are awake enough to know that there's a World Economic Forum. There's a, a, a fairly not good looking fellow by the name of Klaus Schwab, who seems to be driving what's going on in the world. Then you've got another kind of uh, funny looking fellow by the name of Bill Gates that's buying up all the farmland. There's a shortage of DEF fluid. There's a, a, a guy that runs our country that's driving it into the ground economically. And you may think that you're awake and thinking these are the people that are the problem. But at the, at the end of my presentation, I'm going to show you how we need to go way, way back in our history to know that it's not the 2030 agenda that's the issue. Okay? And the very first thing that you need to know is that everything that's going on in this world right now is found and has been found, and we can trace back to what God's word says. Action for Canada stands for faith. We are a, a non-denominational Bible-based um, uh, organization, and that's where we start from. Now, keep that in the back of your mind, and uh, we're going to get back to that. So that's section one. We're, we're moving on to section two. What else are we going to do? Well, it's time to grow, grow, and grow. 
uh, like uh, Tanya said, we, you know, we, we had planned on doing this a few months ago and it just didn't work out. Is it still time to grow? Well, if you don't have your gardens in by now, there are things that you can do. And uh, that's kind of a little bit what we're going to what we're going to do now. It's time to gather your tribe, your farm, your harvest to preserve together. And some of you may be in a bit of a precarious situation. <clears throat> I live outside of, a, of a, a, a main town. And my problem is, is I live on a gravel pit. Some of you may live in high-rise buildings. Some of you may live in, um, can you all see my screen, by the way, Tanya? Is that? Uh, yes, it's all good. Okay, perfect. Thanks, Renzio. So some of you may be challenged in that. Some of you may live like on the 12th floor of an apartment building. And, you know, you, you, may, be, um, you may be challenged that way. Some of you may live, you know, in a house where you've got no yard. And so you don't have the space. And some of you may work long hours a day. And so you may have those challenges, but there are ways around that. Some people have gotten really, really creative. I know of some people that uh, there's five families, for example, that have found an old abandoned farm. Well, it wasn't really abandoned. It hadn't been used in a number of years. And they made a deal with the, with the landowner to uh, reclaim a couple of acres. And the landowner was more than happy to work with them. Uh, other places, there's uh, churches in the country where, you know, some... Some churches don't have um, cemeteries around them or, or uh, graveyards. And so the church communities have gotten together and used that land as a church community and turned it into a useful, uh, useful garden. Um, so you need to be creative and find ideas that work collectively. Now, it's the end of July. Some of you in BC, you may have longer growing seasons. Uh, I worked a few years in, in Alberta, and I know how fast it gets cold and how, how cold it does get there. We're gonna talk about some of the ideas that you can, uh, you can uh, overcome there too. But there are things that you can do even right now. Even if you don't have a seed in the ground right now, there are things that you can do, even starting right now. So some people may say, well, do you do this kind of thing? Well, I, I do. Now, for years I've had like different greenhouses and gardens and that. One of the farms, I've owned three farms in my life, and uh, right now we're just on a couple of acres. Uh, so just a few months ago, I put this greenhouse together. Now, I'm fortunate and I'm blessed. I have my own sawmill, so I can mill my own lumber and that. And I went to uh, Kent Building Supplies or Home Depot, bought these panels, and uh, I threw this together in just a couple of days. It's only 8 by 12. And some of the photos I'm going to show you on here I took just a week ago. I was just in there about an hour and a half ago to close it up and... Some of the some of the plants, like uh, the picture on the left, those are my peppers. I've got little grow boxes there in the window. You can't even see those anymore. So those plants have grown about four and a half to five inches. The middle picture, those are my tomato plants. Those are now uh, touching the ceiling. So the picture on the right, those tomato plants are now, uh, they're about eight feet tall. And they're full, full of tomatoes already. Everything was planted from seed. We have grow lights that we set up in the basement on trays. And we start that usually around the end of March. Now, just a few ideas I want to share. Some of you may still have time to, to build a little greenhouse like this. And uh, you can actually grow through the wintertime. Now, look at the middle picture and the picture on the left for just a second. You see those white things at the bottom. I found a couple of hardware stores in town where when people buy an, uh, a steel door or um, fiberglass door and they want a big window put into it. The stores cut the, the section out. Usually it's about two feet wide by 
uh, three or four feet uh, high and they throw the middle part out. Those middle parts, they're insulated and they throw them out. So I went and got a whole bunch, like a whole truckload. And that's what I built my raised beds in. And I filled the bottom of those things with a bit of soil. Uh, I live on a hardwood property. So I filled bottom also with old rotting logs. I threw some worms in there. I've got a wood chipper. So I, I put all kinds of hardwood leaves in there. You want to be careful not to put too many like oak leaves and you don't want to put uh, walnut leaves or uh, a cedar leaves in there, but leaves in there. Our chickens, uh, they're bedding. We use shredded newspaper. So I, you know, let the chickens poop on there for a couple of weeks and then put that in there and then put a bit of peat moss in there. And then I just layer it. And we're going to talk a little bit about how you can do that just in a garden, but put my seedlings in there and voila, things just grow. So you can actually build a little greenhouse like this. And some people think, well, I have no way of heating something like this. You can take fresh manure. If you can find somebody that's got cows or even horses with fresh manure and you put that at the bottom, like in the fall, and then put peat moss and leaves and, and just build it up like that, the decomposition of that will create enough heat that you can grow root vegetables in there. And I use all the available space that I can. I use some scrap lumber there. And I just put some more herbs in there that I planted. And like I said, like the little herbs that you see there now, they're about a foot tall just in like seven or eight days. And uh, that's just a bird's eye view in the bottom right-hand side there. I even use tires. I mean, I, I, that's on the side of a hill there. And I've got zucchini growing in there, pumpkin, and uh, two different types of squash. I've got about 12 tires growing there just in the woods. And that, you know, I'm using space where the sun actually can hit and where my hose can... Um, can reach there. Now, some of you live in the city and you're crammed for space. There may not be space. Some of you live in neighborhoods where there may be a little bit of space and you've got to consider options. So here's some options. You can get together with some of your neighbors and community gardens. That's becoming a very popular thing. And, uh, you know, there's different ways of doing community gardens. Uh, community gardens bring people together. It's an opportunity to raise awareness. And community gardens can be absolutely anywhere. Now, maybe you do have a little bit of space and uh, you don't have to be Italian to grow a lasagna garden. Now, I know some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> I have tried this and used it many, many places. As a matter of fact, all of my raised beds are done in this way because we live on a gravel pit here. I actually bought a dump truck load of dirt last year that was supposed to be topsoil. I put it in my raised beds and it grew absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, half the dump truck load was left over. At the end of the summer, I didn't even have one single weed growing in that pile of good for nothing, nothing. So here's what I did this year. In my raised beds, I did lasagna bed gardening. Basically, you can start with grass. You don't even need a tiller. You only, you don't even need talent. So you get some uh, newspaper, four or five layers of newspaper, and you wet them or cardboard. You wet it. You get uh, bags of manure from your uh, local um, uh, co-op store or, or farm supply store. Or a lot of the garden centers are, are closed now for the season, so they may have that stuff on sale. You get some chopped leaves, some peat moss, some grass clippings from uh, mowing your lawn. Gather your grass clippings from your neighbor. 
gather your, your uh, compost from your neighbors, throw that on top. More chopped leaves, a thin layer of peat moss, get some straw. And if you don't have straw, leave your gr- grass clippings to dry for a few days until they turn brown. There's your layer of straw. A little bit of blood meal, more grass clippings, some peat moss, a tiny little bit of soil, chopped leaves, compost. And then if you actually want to plant in there right away, a thin layer of dirt, throw your seeds on there and you will grow, not lasagnas, but whatever your seeds are. You'll be amazed at what you can grow. You need more space? I have a little side business called Driftwood Pallet Works. Now, because we live right by the ocean, we uh, collect some driftwood. I have a ton of driftwood that's waiting for projects in my spare time, which I don't seem to have much these days. But for years and years, I collected pallets. Even though I've got a sawmill, I love collecting pallets because pallets have character. Look at the bed on the left, completely made out of pallets. Times are tough these days. The economy has us, you know, pinching pennies at times. And uh, you can take this pallet bed on the left. You can fill it with lasagna bed type stuff. And there you go. I mean, look at the shape of that yard. I mean, that's not even a nice yard, but you can have stuff growing in there. You know, look at the beds on the right. You've got pallets just leaning on each other. You throw some dirt in there. And uh, these people now, uh, the beds in the front, they've got some uh, soaker hoses in there. Saves on water. Inexpensive, but you make it work. Now, here's some more fancier raised beds. The ones on the right, uh, half-inch water lines. Fairly inexpensive. You buy them in rolls of 100. And uh, these people just kind of stuck them in there. I don't know if they have them fastened, but I'll show you how to fasten them in just a little bit. But by putting them like that, in the springtime, you can throw some plastic over that. And in the fall, you can throw some plastic in there too. And that extends your growing season by, by about three months. So you can start your seedlings in there, or you can start your cold hardy vegetables in there, like your lettuces, and you can extend your growing season as well. In the fall, you can, uh, you know, you can plant your, um, once you harvest, say your lettuces there or your, your beets or whatever, you can actually do a planting in September, early October. You can plant carrots and parsnips in there. Cover that with plastic, and you can be harvesting right through the winter. Now, as for plastic, here's an idea to get plastic from a place for free. Furniture stores, when they get their their mattresses, those mattresses come in a really thick plastic, and they throw that stuff out. So you can get that and uh, cut it up, square it up, and you put it over your raised beds. Free for the taking. Maybe you can tell by now that I've been a bit of a scrounger all my life, right? But I've made things work. So extend your growing season. These are what we call polytunnels. Now you can grow, uh, there's big polytunnels that you can walk through, but here are just little ones. If you're, if you're crammed for space, you see the picture in the top there. Uh, just put that on early on in the spring or when there's a danger of frost, you just throw that on. Very simple to attach. Again, the bottom left-hand photo, Again, it's just a half-inch water line. They sell these clips at Home Hardware, Home Depot, Lowe's. Uh, here we have Kent Building Supplies owned by Irving's. So a few little clips on, on, on the wood of your raised bed, and uh, you fasten your plastic there. You can staple it. You can just staple it on one side and on the, leave it long on the other side. Put a few bricks or, or something to tie it down. The picture on the right, there's actual little hoops that you can purchase that you just press down into the dirt. 
And on the hot days, you open up the ends to get some, uh, some air going through it so you don't get uh, rot or mildew on your, on your plants. And again, it extends your growing season. Something very simple to do. So growing is something that we must do. I mean, if you've gone into the grocery stores recently to see the price of even greens, I mean, it's incredible. So if you have the time, if you've got the money, if you want to go in on something a little fancier for, with a bunch of families, you can build a greenhouse. I mean, you can go with plastic. You can go with recycled windows on the left. You can go with something a little fancier with the one on the right. You know, you can add lights. You can add a heating system. You can add a self-watering system. I mean, the one on the right there, they've got all kinds of different things going. Now, I, I put some different things there on, on uh, different things that you can do, you know, different uh, benefits. Uh, you can grow year-round, and you don't necessarily need a source of heat in there. Uh, I know some people that take big uh, plastic water barrels, fill them with water, paint them black. And during the day, those will hold an ambient temperature. If you've got uh, stone pavers on the ground, those will absorb heat during the day when the sun hits them. You can get water jugs and paint them black and hang them high. And they will absorb heat during the day and slowly release the heat during the evening. You can do successive plantings. You know, you pick your lettuces when they're done. And then once that's done, you keep planting throughout the year. Now, I put that a, a greenhouse is also very therapeutic. After 29 years of being a paramedic, I was diagnosed with complex PTSD. And uh, a retired police officer from Toronto and I we built a greenhouse uh, not too far from here. And for two years, you know, that was part of my therapy. I, I uh, ran my sawmill and, uh, you know, I worked in the greenhouse and it was very therapeutic. So not enough space, you say. Maybe you live. Uh, again, in a high rise and you've got a deck, maybe you've got a balcony. Well, I mean, look at the one on the left there. I mean, uh, you know, it looks beautiful, but unless you're into eating flowers, you may want to do something like on the right, you know, planting something that you can actually eat. But planters, what about planters? I mean, planters are going on sale now at the dollar store at Walmart. You know, you can get some planters. I've even seen people buy just those bags of dirt, put slits in them, open them, and just leave the bag of dirt the way it is and throw seed right in there. You don't even need the, the containers. Here's somebody that thought outside the box on the left-hand side. And they built these little containers that you can't really see. But there's, uh, there's three one-by-fours uh, supporting those planters on there. But they have full use of their deck there. Not taking up space. But they just reach over and they've got their lettuces. The one on the right, you can see how they plant things close together. When you plant things close together, uh, you get less weeds, less watering. You've got some nice chard there, some lettuces, and you know, you've even got some nice uh, marigolds planting there. So less space again, you may want to consider growing things up. Consider climbing vegetables, vertical planters. The one on the right there, it looks like that uh, fancy little planter that was made there. I mean, that's you know, some one by sixes that you can pick up at the hardware store it looks fairly simple. And it looks like that whole contraption would just uh, fold up together. You know, something that you can use during the season, you fold it up, put it away for, for the winter. And, uh, you know, if you enjoy building something like that, I mean, you can, uh, you know, buy enough lumber to build four of them, use two and sell two and get your money back and it'll pay for the two that you have. Make it a little side business these days. What about year round indoor options? Now, my wife and I own a, a, a garden tower, uh, uh, well, just like the one on, on, on the left there, and the link 
for that is also on the resource page. And uh, we have the grow lights for it as well. Those things now, uh, they're not cheap though. It, 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 it runs about $1,200. But the nice thing is the lights come on uh, with the timer whenever you set it. So ours comes on at six o'clock in the morning. The lights go off at 11 at night. It waters itself. So, uh, you know, every 15 minutes or so, the, the pump comes on for about a minute and a half. And uh, the thing holds about 12 gallons of water. So once, maybe every, I'm going to say week or so, we have to put more water in it. We put uh, nutrients in the water and it's, uh, it's aquaponic. Now, the, the thing literally looks like the ones on the right and it doesn't take long at all. I mean, we have had lettuces and Swiss chard and kale coming out of our ears. I mean, we, we have a home Bible study uh, thing in our home, and we have just been giving the stuff away. As a matter of fact, my wife pulled some of it out there not too long ago, like the stuff at the very top, and the roots went all the way down into the basin. The, the roots were like five feet long. And so I took some of that out and threw it in the garden, and the stuff is growing in the garden now. So it's just incredible. It's a, <coughs> excuse me, it's a really good investment to have. And with this thing, you grow stuff year round. So it's a good, it is a good investment. Other indoor options. The one on the left is something that you can buy on Amazon. And again, I've got the description there on the, on the resource page. That thing there will run you about $150, uh, much less expensive. And all you need for that is maybe a Rubbermaid tote to hold your water. It does come with the pump. It does come with the little cups and it does come with uh, the tubing for that. The ones on the right are exactly like ours, except those are shown without the lights. But that's exactly what they look like when they're full of um, different types of lettuces. In there. So now that you've got your stuff that you've grown, what are you going to do with it? Well, you're going to have to preserve it because you can't eat everything all at once. And nobody can survive just on lettuce. So different options we're going to talk about. You can freeze your meats and your vegetables. That's the obvious. The concern is, what if the grid goes down? Now, we've got four freezers here. I uh, just picked up my pig from the butchers yesterday, and uh, we've got a smoker now, so we've got to smoke the hams, and uh, they're soaking into brine right now and, and bacons. But, you know, if the grid goes down, we're going to have to have a, you know, community barbecue or something because that's a big, big issue. One of the things you can consider is to dehydrate your meats and your vegetables. Now you say, wait a minute, dehydrate your meats? Yeah, we'll look at that in just a minute. But dehydrating your vegetables. Now we have both of these dehydrators. They're very similar. The one on the left is kind of slow and it's good for like smaller things. You know, like we, we have a lot of mints that we grow for teas and different things like that. But the one on the right is a, is a commercial dehydrator. The one we have stands taller and it's got two fans. And man, is it ever fast. And, you know, we do tomatoes, we do fruits, we do, I mean, we, we can do pretty much anything with it. So, again, I've got some links in uh, on the resource thing. And what you want to do is do some research. Amazon has some great deals on them. Read the reviews. The nice thing with dehydrated things is once they're dehydrated, you put them in glass jars, you put them in a cool, dry, dry place, and they will last you for a long time. Canning and bottling. There is a difference between canning and bottling. You're going to have to do your own research on that because there's acidic food and there's non-acidic food. The difference is um, 
some things will need to be pressure canned and some things you can get away with a water bath. One of the things I want to tell you now, the price of these supplies has been going up. The availability of some of these supplies has been going down. I was at Canadian Tire the other day looking for some canning jars and of the kind I wanted, they, I was told by the staff, the shelf was empty. They said, we have none. I went to customer service and she's like, well, we say we have 12 cases and they looked for about 35 minutes before they found them. They brought them out and the lady says it looked like somebody was hiding them because in, in the back stock room because they, they were not where they were supposed to be. So I bought them. So supplies are getting low in some places. I've got links to all of these supplies in the resource page. The one on the left is a pressure canner. The important thing I want to point out to you is this. If you do not have a pressure canner and you're going to purchase one, get one with a pressure gauge like the one you see on the left. There are some cheaper ones that don't have the pressure gauge. Don't bother with those. Get one with the pressure gauge because most things will say uh, pressure can, for example, your meats at uh, 10 pounds or 15 pounds of pressure for an hour. You want to make sure that you you see that you know you're at the proper at the proper pressure. The pot on the right is for water bathing. So with that one, you don't need pressure. You know, it'll say water bath for ten minutes, and that's all you. There's a lot of recipes uh, for different kinds of sauces and jams and jellies, uh, pot uh, pasta uh, sauces and and uh, all kinds of things on Pinterest and online. And uh, you can also check Facebook Marketplace. And, uh, you know, down here we've got a few other local sites that you can check. Uh, it seems that a lot, some of the older folks, it seems, are um, getting out of it. Or I, in our area, we haven't seen too many yard sales this year. But you can sometimes find these canning pots or jars um, uh, for fairly cheap, you know. You've got a straining colander there on the right if you're going to do any kind of tomato uh sauces and that you'll need stuff like that so again all of the links for these things are on the resource page so you can dehydrate your meats and it will last years without refrigeration so even your ground meats so ground ground beef goes on sale buy it i mean we were down at uh, walmart the other day and they had like 14 dollar pack large packages of ground meat the truck arrived a day late and it was on a weekend and it was a, a long weekend and so we got the $14 packages of ground beef for like $5. The guy at Walmart was, was marking it down three times in a row, like right there in front of us and putting it. So we, we have filled um, a cart. And so you can take it home. You can cook it. And one of our dehydrators has um, the racks are like a mesh. So you can dehydrate it and stick it in bottles right away, put it in a cool, dry place. I don't know about you, but uh, jerky is kind of addictive. You know, you can get flavored jerky and stick it in bottles. And again, it'll last you for a long time. So dehydrate your meats, store it, and you don't need refrigeration. So it'll take up less space, less electricity in the end. Bottled meat will last a long time. Now, some of you will say, ooh, that looks so gross. Well... If you've never had bottled moose or bottled deer, then sorry, just shut up. <laughs> you don't know what you're missing. But you know what? Bottled meat is really good. And uh, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, some of the meats that, that we have here. And uh, I'm a hunter. I've been a, a hunter for a lot of years. And you know what? You just can't put everything in the freezer. It may not look the best, but until you sink your teeth into it, 
It really is soft and tender. And especially if you raise it yourself, you know where it came from. So you want to preserve it yourself, right? So bottle vegetables, be creative and plan your meals. I, I say, you know, sometimes you can mix your vegetables. Sometimes you go to the store and, you know, uh, you know, maybe, uh, or you go to the market or whatever and, uh, vegetables right from the garden will be on sale so buy them maybe you don't have a garden and uh, you know somebody that's got extra tomatoes that they just want to get rid of or whatever buy them and even if you get a few jars of uh, tomato sauce or, or spaghetti sauce or whatever buy them you know green tomato chow or whatever buy them and put them aside and uh, you know for right now while a dollar still buys you a dollar worth of stuff at the stores and while they're still uh, food on the shelves at the store, buy it. I mean, while your dollar is still worth something, purchase it. But at the same time, put stuff away in your cupboards and in your pantry while you can. So another thing that you can do is you can freeze dry it. Now, we looked at this machine uh, online and we considered maybe getting one with a few friends. Um, but I hope you're sitting down. One of these machines is a little over $5,000. And that wasn't for the really big one. Uh, you have to run them for 24 to 36 hours. And some of the things that I, I, I did put on there that it uses electricity, well, so does the heat dehydrator and sort of the other things. But apparently it's kind of a pig on, on electricity. And the lady that does the commercials for these, she says, oh, and your food will taste just the same. Well, all the reviews that we read were like, yeah, no, it doesn't taste the same. I mean, the lady that does the commercial, she takes ice cream sandwiches and freeze dries them. And I'm thinking, well, if I'm gonna buy an ice cream sandwich, I'm gonna eat the ice cream sandwich while it's like an ice cream sandwich. But anyhow, that is an option that you can consider as well. You can freeze dry your food, you can stick them in these bottles, but what they recommend are, are these Mylar bags. So you have to buy the Mylar bags. You can open up the Mylar bag and reseal it if you don't use all the contents. And they say that the contents are good for 25 years. So it'd be kind of like moon food or, you know, or, um, you know, military type stuff. So what about a cool storage or root cellars? Where are you going to store all this stuff once you have it? Well, I wish I could say that the, the root cellar in the bottom right is my root cellar, but it is not. <laughs> it is a borrowed picture. Now, I used to have a root cellar in one of the farms that I had. And we used to have about 2,000 jars full of stuff that we used to preserve because uh, my garden was big and I used to have 450 animals on my on my farm. So we used to do a lot of butchering ourselves. But, uh, you know, I, I just have uh, one of my daughters just moved back home. She just turned 17. And so we're having to expand our food production a little bit because, you know, well, kids like to eat. But anyhow, so but the thing is, you may say, I don't have the space. So. We have a great Action for Canada community across our country. I mean, we have 100,000 people on our mailing list. We've got 150 chapters. If you don't have the space, reach out to one of our chapters. We've got connections. I know of some people, you know, that want to store like large quantities of non-perishables and people are buying pods, you know, like these ship containers, like even the small ones. You know, you can get them for $2,500 to $5,000. And they're putting them on, on, on somebody's secure property and they're filling them with things. And so, but anyhow, so you want to be able to store your food in uh, cool, dark places, the ideal. And 
you want shelving systems that are uh, solid. The one on the right is, is handmade, two by fours, plywood. The one on the left is commercial bait. The one on the picture on the left shows uh, a photo of somebody that's got uh, pretty much an unfinished basement, but there's a window in there. If you have a basement even that is finished and you've got a window in there that's on the north or northwest corner of your house, you can build a cold storage room. It's very simple and there are videos in the, in the resource page that you can go to and you can build something like this fairly inexpensively. And you can build something that looks like this and keep root vegetables. You can keep your cannings. Now your canning stuff doesn't all, all need to be in a, in a room like this, but your root vegetables. And something to, uh, to remember too is sturdy shelving is a must, okay? Some of you have uh, space outdoors and you've got time on your hands, you've got some pretty rock, you've got the side of a hill and uh, you know you can, uh, you can build something like what's on the left. Some of you are like, I don't have time for something like this, I don't have the space, I want something simple, Look at that, an old freezer with a couple of pipes. There's a video on how you can do that in the resources. How about something even simpler? These do work. 55 gallon root drum or even a tin garbage can. Again, the resources, uh, the, 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 uh, the videos for these are on the resource page. Filling your root cellar. Well, you wanna put root vegetables in there and here's a list of the ones, the vegetables you can put in there. And uh, what I have always done is you can use sand or damp sawdust. I've got a sawmill, so I just use uh, sawdust. Now we have a room underneath one of our, uh, part of our living room, it's, it's an addition and uh, it doesn't freeze under there. One of the uh, YouTube channels that I, that I follow, um, uh, Boss of the Swamp is part of it, but I, I, I've got must, uh, one of my favorites is uh, YouTube uh, videos. But uh, he's got a, a a part of his basement where he he buries a, a truck box underneath his basement, and he keeps his apples in there and his uh, his vegetables like that. And you would be amazed; things just don't freeze uh, like in a, in a cold cellar. And the key is just to layer your vegetables either with damp sand or with damp sawdust. And don't forget your apples as well. If you can buy your apples from an apple orchard or someplace in bulk, you know, do so. Again, you can, uh, you can um, dry these in a dehydrator and you'll have fresh vegetables, fresh fruit all winter long. So what about cooking? Well, Here's some ideas. You can cook with a propane barbecue. If the power goes out, if the grid goes out. The problem is, I know that uh, around here, uh, our local gas stations keep about 120 bottles of propane. And when the power goes out, those go fairly quick. So I've got another uh, extra barbecue similar to that one. And uh, the burners all burnt out of it. So I rip all the propane stuff out of it. I live in a hardwood forest, but you know what? You can scrounge some hardwood in the woods and you can use it like a, like a charcuterie. So you build a little fire in there and you let the fire burn down to charcoal and voila, you've got a barbecue that's not propane anymore, but you can cook on there. Uh, rocket stove. I 
own a rocket stove just like the one that you see on the right. I've got the link for that in the, um, in the resource page as well. Mine is green, but basically a rocket stove, you build a little fire in there using twigs. And on top is a large cooking surface. You can put throw a cast iron pan on there, a cast iron Dutch oven, a nonstick frying pan, a big pot. You can put a huge pot on there. You can cook stuff on there. And they literally just run on twigs. I have built about five or six rocket stoves like the one on the left out of coffee cans, when coffee cans used to be made out of metal. The one in the middle are other commercial rocket stoves that you can build. The reason why they're called rocket stoves is because once you build a, a fire in there using twigs, you can see the flame on the right. The flames literally come out like a rocket. And I've built about four or five, like the one on the right, out of uh, a five-gallon pail using tin cans and a five-gallon metal bucket. And you insulate inside either with uh, perlite or with sand. And that's all you need literally twigs. So if you build one of those or two or three and you have them kicking around the house, you can literally cook your food, boil your water and not die. <laughs> you know, you can have something to cook with in case the power grid goes off. You can cook your food or you can purchase one like the ones like the one on the right. They're about 200 and something dollars. But you know what? You'll have something to have to cook your food. With. There's a company called BioLite. And they sell these little rocket stoves. And they're not all that big, but you can still put a pot on there or a cast iron frying pan. Now, these are fancy because as the fire cooks your food, it also generates energy. It'll charge your phone and it charges a power pack and it charges a light that you can have at night. And these are a little over $200 as well. And again, I've got the link for that in the resources. Now, what about water? Well, you know, you can buy water bottles and you can buy all kinds of stuff and you can fill your house with water bottles. But that supply is going to run dry too at the store. And we got to think long term. So some of you may have access to a water supply, a lake, a river. We're fortunate. We live on a freshwater river. And so uh, a Berkey water system like the ones on the on the left from Canada, the little one on the left will run you about 500 and and change all the way to the one on the right will run you close to $800. They're fancy. I built the one on the right for about $150. It's the same Berkey filters, uh, two food grade buckets from, um, from Home Depot. And I bought the spigots for, uh, online for about $12 for two of them. And uh, I've got the video on how to build those at, at um, you can build them yourself. It'll literally take you about 12 minutes to build one of those. Now, you don't have to leave them set up like that. You can keep them apart. And then if the grid goes down or whatever, I mean, you can melt snow and put that in there. Now, videos will show you that you can literally take stagnant swamp water, put it through your Berkey water filter, test your water, and it's got zero microbes, zero microorganisms, and it's perfectly safe water. Berkey is by far the world's best water filtration system in the world. And it's not the fancy canister on the left that gives you the, the good water. It's the filter. And you can buy the filters directly from Berkey and have them shipped to your house. All right. So that all of the resources for everything so far will be on the resource pages. Now, let's talk about livestock. Hope I don't lose too many of you on this now. We have an incubator. So we incubate 
our eggs and we get chicks. Now on the left, you wonder, how are baby chicks made? Well, you've got a girl chicken on the left, you've got a boy chicken on the right, and that's the start of how babies are made. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> I just saw that picture there and I thought that was cute. So we have dual purpose breed uh, chickens. We have barred rock chickens, like the ones on the right. And then we also have golden comet chickens, like the ones that you see here. There's the hen on the left and the, and the rooster on the right. So we have dual purpose chickens for a reason. They're prolific egg layers. And for Canada, they do very well in the wintertime. They season very well in the winter. And for all the extra roosters that we get, we fatten them up and we butcher them. What we do is we uh, basically debone all the meat, pressure can the meat and put the meat aside. And for eggs, well, extra eggs, we sell the eggs and then we use the money to purchase feed for the, uh, for the chickens. Now, goats, if you're really adventurous and you've got the land, goats will give you milk and cheese and the breeds are very versatile. These are alpine goats and I've had, I don't have goats right now, but I used to have a goat dairy. I think we used to mil uh, milk around 12 to 16. Uh, the goat on the left is a chamoise color, and then the, the alpine goat on the right is more the traditional alpine color. Then you've got the boar goats on the right, if you're interested in, in goats for meat. And goat meat's actually fairly good. And then the ones on the right are a sanin breed. They're also prolific milkers. And you know what? Goats have personality. I know the Lord will put the sheep on his left and the goats on his right. And I've had sheep in the past, and i got to tell you, I'm sorry, I would have goats over sheep any day. And I know why the Lord calls us sheep, because we're not all that smart sometimes, you know. So, and here's one just for fun. And we also raise rabbits. So we have Bunnyville. We have California meat rabbits. And we have uh, speckled giant bucks. And we just, uh, actually just yesterday, picked up a California buck as well. So these are some of our little bunnies, and yes, they are cute. And yes, I do play with my food. Uh, that's the mama on the right. And uh, as a matter of fact, as of just two days ago, those little bunnies, I took that picture maybe four or five days ago. Those bunnies are twice the size now already in just, in just, um, just a few days. So I've got some statistics there. So you can see how much rabbits multiply. As a matter of fact, I read just the other day, if you had a buck rabbit and a doe rabbit and you just let them be and they multiplied, in four years, their offspring would total close to four million rabbits. So just with what we have, that's a little bit of our operation there. We have, we have another little rabbit tree section there that I didn't show. But just with what we have, my wife and I, we raise about a thousand meats of rabbits a year just with the few breeding rabbits that we have. And that's just the meat, that's, that's, that's clean. And it's, like I said, 20% digestible protein. It's the highest protein meat that you, can, that you can have. Okay, so as we get ready to wrap up, what about right now? What do we do right now? I said it earlier, a dollar will buy you a dollar worth of stuff at the store. So buy, 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 buy. Already some of our shelves are getting uh, scarce. Uh, we have, uh, to go online to see which gas stations here in Sydney, Nova Scotia have gas sometimes because our gas stations are running out. Uh, we are still able to buy some case lots of things right now, but the supply chain, the supply chain will not last. 
I'm part of a group called uh, Canada Barter and Trade. It's a national group that uh, we have established here about a month and a half ago. And the lady that started it is in um, uh, Fort McMurray. She owns a trucking company. And I could tell you stories that she tells us every week. They're shutting down their trucking supply because they cannot get uh, DEF fluid as well as diesel oil uh, to do their oil changes in their vehicles. I looked for about six weeks to get some diesel oil uh, for my tractor. I use Rotella, can't get Rotella anymore. So I got a cheap no-name brand and I'm good for about three years for oil changes for my tractor. It's getting scarce, folks. So once the diesel trucks will no longer be on, on the road, the shelves will start getting bare. So if you have the means right now, purchase as much as you can, fill your pantries, your spare bedrooms, with as much supply as you can and stock up, really stock up. Remember the toilet paper shortage we had before? Well, you know what? It's coming. Already there's places that, um, that are shutting down like in China and, uh, you know, countries like Greece and Venezuela have gone bankrupt. So stock up while you can. So we're getting close to the end. And I said I would book, book in my presentation with a few things. The World Economic Forum is not, you know, they are some of the causes to what's going on in the end right now towards the end of, of what we're going through. But in reality, growing stuff in your garden preserving things, putting stuff in your pantry and having a stock full of stuff is not really what's going to save us in the end. I want to tell you a little something of what's a little bit of history as to what exactly is going on. And I have a lot of time to think and, and pray and meditate on this. And by the way, that's my prayer bench. This is kind of, this is where I live. This is in my yard. And I have time to sit on this prayer bench. I know it looks a little crooked there, but really it's not. And I should have mowed the grass around it before I took this picture. But back in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God made everything. He created everything. And after day 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, God said it was good. And on day 6, when God made mankind, God said it was very good. But in Genesis chapter 3, sin entered the world. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when God spoke to Satan, to the serpent, he made a promise of redemption. When we get to Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 8, 5 to 8, this is what we read. It's a sad story. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought, everything they thought or imagined, was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry that he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. So what happened? I mean, that's on page 10 of my Bible. So it would have been a really short Bible. But then we have two words. But Noah. And had it not been from Noah, none of us would be here. And what happened was sin was introduced in the world because Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And God said, because now you've disobeyed me, there's going to be sin in the world and there's going to be repercussions from that. But I will offer salvation from that. 
Genesis 3 verse 15. God promised us a redeemer. Fast forward in Matthew chapter 24. God sent his son into the world to redeem us. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus, the son of God, is with his disciples and they're leaving Jerusalem. And as he's leaving the temple, his disciples say to him, they point out the temple buildings and he responds to them. You see all these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will not come. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. And the disciples are surprised at that. And they say, whoa. Tell us when will these things happen and what sign will signal you return at the end of the world? That bothered them. The end of the world will come. What's it going to look like? And you'd have to read Matthew chapter 24 to find out what's going to happen at the end of the world. Now, let me pause here for a second. Every two weeks we go and we have a rally here in Sydney. We have strangers coming to us and say, you know, the World Economic Forum and the masking and the jabs that we realize something is wrong, but we can't really put our finger on it. But we know there's a, it's a spiritual battle. Do you guys have any answers? We say, yeah, as a matter of fact, we do. <laughs> and so in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus, one of the things he says, was, when you see the fig tree, the buds on the fig tree, you know that spring is coming. So here are some of the things that Jesus says to them. And in verse 37 of Matthew 24, he says, when the son of man returns, it will be like it was in the days of Noah. Oh, it was bad in the days of Noah. And it was so bad in the days of Noah that God destroyed the entire world. And by the way, less than 40 years after Jesus said what he said about the temple, the emperor Titus walked into Jerusalem ransacked the city and completely destroyed the temple. I'm going to wrap this up here, but in the book of Revelation, chapter 18, towards the very end of the world, the Bible tells us that there will be great deception and the great city Babylon will be destroyed. And in Revelation 18, the latter part of verse 23, he says, For your merchants were the greatest in the world, and you deceived the nations with your sorceries. That word sorceries in the Greek, and I say Greek because the New Testament was written mostly in Greek and Aramaic. That word sorceries is translated pharmakia, from which we get our words pharmacy and pharmaceuticals. What's going on in the world today? The world is being deceived by pharmacies, the pharmaceuticals. And what we have going on right now is a great deception. And it's the buds are on the trees. And we, this is a foreshadowing of, of, of what's going to happen. And God has promised us that there will be a time of great sorrow and a time of judgment on this earth. But I want to say to you tonight, you know, I have zero fear of the future. I have zero fear of death because this place is not my home. And I know that I have a God that has prepared a place for me. 
And what is coming has been prophesied through the book of Daniel and in the book of Revelation. And we know that God has a plan. And I know that this world is not my home. And we are preparing right now for hardships and for hard times coming. We know that we there's know a that seven years tribulation when millions of people will just disappear one day and it will catch the world by shock and surprise. But we don't have to be here for that. And so at this point, you know, I just want to let you folks know that uh, in the meantime, we're preparing and we're getting ready for hardships and hard times. But like, like Tanya said earlier, we are seeing great victories. We are seeing some important things be overturned. And we don't know exactly um, how things will go in the courts in the long run. However, we can be ready. If the shelves go empty, we can be well prepared in the meantime. But I wasn't kidding when I said to you folks, you know, you really need uh, to be prepared. You really need um, you really need a guidebook. And I want to encourage all of you tonight. The most important thing that you can take from this presentation is not the size of the greenhouse you can build. It's really you need uh, you need God's word in your life. And so that's the most important thing that you can take out of this presentation. All right. Wow, Dan. <laughs> I was going to go, amen, Pastor Dan. <laughs> oh, that was an incredible presentation. I was sitting here and just enjoying it. I was writing my notes and and taking things in. And um, so right now for just a moment, uh, this is one of the first times we've gone Facebook Live. And so I just want to encourage our viewers um, who are live on Facebook with us that you would go down to the description and make sure you join our Action for Canada so that you will receive our weekly emails, calls to action, uh, the Empower Hour invites. If you sign up, you automatically uh, get sent these invites. We're one of the only organizations in Canada with the amount of resources, uh, really reaching out and facilitating and helping people within their communities. And so um, we've always said that Action for Canada, sorry, <laughs> Sorry, I had a little pop chewing on a cord. <laughs> Benny, bad Benny. All right. Um, so that was fun. All right. Uh, so I've always said, you know, Action for Canada is an organization that believes that Canada was uh, founded on Judeo-Christian principles. And this is so important. I know that somebody in the chat had said, you know, I'm a Buddhist to kind of get on with it. And, you know, it doesn't matter what your belief system is. If, if you could just take a moment to understand why this is relevant and important in Canada. Um, we have a very unique system of governance that is based on biblical principles and values. That just happens to be a fact. That's what Canada is founded on. And if you take that and compare it to other nations that have different uh, systems of belief and political systems, you've got to ask yourself the question, would I want to live there? Would you want to live in one of the 57 Islamic majority countries in Pakistan, North Korea, China? Um, I think we could all agree the answer would be no. And when a Christian nation is functioning well, when people have voted responsibly and cared about the core values of the people that they were voting into office, our nation thrives. Nations have thrived. 
And, and so, you know, we're not talking about this to offend anybody. This is a reality for Canada. And um, the government has tried for decades to uh, diminish it because they know the only way to overtake Canada is to destroy it. And that's why they're going after the churches. That's why they are so intent on um, going after the pastors. Because if they crush Christianity in Canada, you can kiss your rights goodbye. Because our Constitution, our Charter of Rights, is based on biblical values as well as our rule of law. And and so if you can't sit sit for a moment, instead of taking an offense and just realize that this is a reality, then we're all going to be in big trouble. Because we need to think about this when we're going into elections and really think about the core values. And I know we've got good people, you know, who don't happen to be, uh, you know, professing Christians. uh, But there is a difference if they are embracing what the nation is founded on. So that's one thing, Dan. Thank you as well for finishing up with such an incredible word. I really appreciate it. Thank you to everybody who's joining us on Facebook. And uh, we encourage you to continue to invite more people. If you came in late, I want to let you know that next week we are going to have on a gentleman uh, that was boldly coming back from Mexico and took on uh, the border services and health officers and whoever else he needed to to uh, assert his guaranteed rights. And he was uh, prepared with Action for Canada notices of liability. And I really appreciate that. So what we've done as well is we were spending last week and this week with our team and we have developed an incredible notice of liability uh, for uh, cross-border and domestic travel. So that should be out within the next couple of days that we'll post it on the notice of liability page under mobility, but we'll also be posting it in the call to action that's going to go out next week. So that's pretty amazing. All right. Um, And another thing too, you know, the Pope has come to Canada. I think he should be banned. (laughs) Uh, He's part of the global cabal. And here he is, you know, uh, all this apologizing to the indigenous people and uh, for something that took place decades ago, but he has no problem with uh, the prime minister persecuting Christians in this nation. Not a word about that. Not a word about not allowing Christian people to immigrate to Canada and uh, who are seeking asylum to get out of uh, wretched nations that are trying to kill them. So, um, yeah, you know what? Let's all just uh, pause. Don't get too excited, I think, about the Pope. Uh, He's not who he should be. (laughs) All right. Okay, Dan, we're going to go into a time of Q&A. And if anybody has uh, wants to ask a question, would you please raise your hand? And then as well on the uh, Zoom option at the bottom, you have uh, the ability to type in a question there as well, which I know some of you have. Uh, Terenzio, do we have any questions? Yes, we do. Anybody first, with? Okay. First question is from Jackie. Jackie, you should see a message pop up on your screen to unmute. Okay. Uh, um, quick question. Uh, I do want to get a cold storage in my place, and I don't have that northwest corner with the window. I've got a cabin with um, uh, the uh, walkout basement where it's partially dug into uh, a hill, and the rest of the cabin on the main floor is uh, 12-inch logs. Um, <clears throat> and we've been trying to do... Oh, can you close that one? Honey? It's loud. It's, uh, we've been trying to figure out how we can get a cold storage right inside the walkout basement, whether it's going to get cold enough and needs 
Um, anyway, I'm talking too long. I think you know what I mean. <laughs> it needs ventilation. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that would work. I'll tell you something that's really amazing to insulate that without going to spend a whole lot of money is uh, bubble foil. And you can get bubble foil at any building supply store. It's the really, really thin insulation stuff. It's silver on one side and it's it's like bubble bubble wrap, but it's bubble foil. And if you just put that uh, on the inside of your, uh, your place, as a matter of fact, if you go to um, the YouTube channels that I recommend and the one says must watch, go on that one there. And Jim talks about bubble foil. And you can see how he insulates just underneath his ceiling in his cabin. And it does an amazing job. So oh. that, that should work for you. Yeah. Uh, do we bubble foil? Yeah, so we'll bubble foil the ceiling and the inside of the walls. And the Okay, thank you. That's yeah. awesome. Good luck. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Next question. Next question is from Claudia. Claudia, you should see message pop up on your screen for those who would like to ask a question. Uh, if you go down to the bottom of your Zoom and Hello, raise your Tanya. hand. Hello, Tanya Hi. and Dan. Hi. Hi. So I, yes. So where I live, I don't have a balcony. It's um, like uh, the main floor of a house, but it's quite tiny. In case uh, when there is a power grid um, um, is going down. So, uh, Dan, do you have any ideas on power generators that uh, I can use, I can buy? Power generators. Well, yes. right now, you know, unless you're going with a gas one, which you probably would want to use in your balcony. Um, hmm, I, I, I don't offhand. No, that's kind of a tough one. Yeah, especially in the wintertime, people would be asking that question because I know in large apartment buildings, when the power goes out, those get cold. And I mean, if there was a, an easy answer for that one, people just wouldn't get cold in those cases. But yeah, that's um, unless someone has uh, an answer for that, they can post something in the chat. Um, someone's saying generator solar by Jackery. So maybe look that up online, solar generator by Jackery. Um, so that's that may be a good option for you. A few people are saying yes. So, yeah. Okay. So good. Thank you for the people in the chat. <laughs> That's that right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Trenzio, next question. Yes, next question is from Henry. And uh, as I was saying before, for those who would like to ask a question, please raise your hand virtually below on the bottom of Zoom, and we will put you in queue. Uh, Henry, you should see a message pop up on your screen to unmute. Okay. Hi, Dan. Hi, Tanya. Hi. Uh, my question is, uh, I got my Mylar bags today five, for five-down tails. But once I, see, I put the uh, uh, oxygen, uh, hear what they're called, uh, they remove the oxygen in the myler bags and I seal it. Do I need to put in a five gallon pail? Because I see on, the, uh, on YouTube they're using five gallon pails with myler bags, but I'm just curious, is it necessary to uh, use the five gallon pail plus myler bag in them? So I think the idea with uh, the five-gallon pail is uh, the protection of the Mylar bags themselves. Uh, if you bounce those bags around too much, the seal can be broken. And I think that's the main thing, right? And it also keeps them in a dark place. 
So you don't necessarily have to. Uh, and I know that the, the, um, the bothersome thing with those pails is that they're round, you know, so if you can, uh, find something square. So, um, I know some people sometimes use the square buckets so you can, depending on what you have in your bags, you know, you can stack your stuff in, in square pails better. Uh, so that may be a better option for you. Yeah. So I, I, what I was trying to say, oxygen absorbers is what I, what I have inside of, uh, the bags. Plus yeah. the seat. Uh, put them in a the five gallon pail. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Okay. Um, somebody had asked as well. I was, I don't often get to keep up on the chat, but sometimes I catch something. Uh, it says, which do you recommend canning or bottling? Well, it all depends what it is. Uh, again, people will have to educate themselves as to what it is they're doing. So there's high acidic foods and there's low acidic foods. Uh, so I don't really want to give this advice publicly so that somebody doesn't get sick and say, well, Dan said to do it this way. So if someone, for example, is canning tomatoes, my recommendation is go to, there's a Canadian, um, and I should have written it down here, looked at it just the other day. There's an actual Canadian site that you can go to uh, that will tell you, you, you need, if you're doing this, you need to uh, pressure can it at so many pounds per pressure for so long. If you're doing jams and jellies, uh, this I can say, you, you can just water bath it for 10 minutes. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Okay, Patricia and someone, has asked, by the way, I, was just oh. saying that mylar bags are not rodent proof, proof as well. So that to answer Henry's question, that's uh, if you got okay. little in or you know little rodents that like to eat too. Yeah, yeah. If it's not a sealed area and secure <laughs> from rodents, yeah, that's something to consider. Okay, so Patricia has asked, I don't want to eat meat, but I guess I would if I were starving. What would you say about rabbits makes sense when there is no food, but is there a way to kill them humanely? Yes, absolutely. And I mean, uh, you know, we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't kill them humanely if there wasn't. Uh, I do have a link uh, also on a resource, um, a YouTube channel. Uh, forget what it's called offhand now, but it's some rabbit uh, YouTube uh, channel. And on one of the videos, the gentleman shows you how to how to butcher the rabbits um, humanely. And we say butcher humanely as opposed to kill them humanely. It sounds more humane. <laughs> well, it does. And, and, you know, it's tough for people to wrap, uh, you know, their head around. Oops, just a second. I want to make sure I'm not sharing my screen. Um, but I had grabbed something earlier that somebody had posted uh, regarding a Bible verse, uh, you know, there's some people that uh, make a choice not to eat meat. And, oh, you know what? I think I've lost it. Oh, no, I didn't. I'm in the wrong area. And it was kind of interesting, right, as we we're thinking about this, because I know it's a sensitive topic for some. But in Genesis 1, verse 29 and 30, it said, Then God said, Behold, I have given you every seed bearing plant on the face of all the earth and every tree whose, full, whose fruit contains seed. They will be yours for food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the air and every creature that crawls upon the earth, everything that has breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And, um, you know, and, 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 and so how do you feel from that section, uh, you know, where people are sensitive towards eating meat? 
Well, you know, Tanya, it, it is a choice. Uh, I, I was just thinking of the scripture as well, where, um, you know, uh, Peter, the apostle Peter was, uh, um, I forget which town he was in there in the New Testament. And uh, being a Jew, the Jewish custom was that they were not to go to the Gentiles. And uh, while the, the meal was being prepared for him, he saw a vision where the sheet was lowered from heaven three times. And the Lord said, eat. And there was unclean animals, according to the Jewish customs. And his response was, oh, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. And the Lord spoke to him and said, do not call anything unclean that, I, that I'm offering to you. And the next verse says, in so doing, the Lord declared all things clean. <laughs> and there was, you know, there was meat on there, right? So, I mean, there, we don't live according to the Old Testament uh, law in, anymore. And if some people want to live in the Old Testament days, and that, that's a choice that they have to make. But we, we live under grace now. We don't live under the law anymore. Uh, and you know what? It, I, I, I still, to take it to the ridiculous as well, I, I still meet people that um, think that meat comes from the store. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we yeah. have friends that Thank come over know. here. They come to our home Bible study group and... They come and they look at our little farm. I was at my son's place yesterday on the mainland, and he's only got like two acres, but he's he's got 150 animals on there. You know, the chickens and turkeys and ducks and pigs. But he's raising, you know, he's got six children. So he's raising like, I mean, he's my son. He grew up on the farm. He's my third oldest child. And so he sees uh, kind of the quality of meats that are in the stores. Uh, he knows about the fake meat that Bill Gates wants to bring. So he's like, uh-uh, no, no, nay, nay, I'm going to feed my own children properly. So if some people don't want to eat meat, but they'll have to decide at some point how they're going to get their protein. And I'm not going to get into this big, long debate. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, what else are they eating? Are they eating healthy? So Yeah. Well, and, and a lot of people are subsidizing their diets with nuts and things like that so okay exactly. so we'll carry yeah. yeah we'll carry on with some some questions i have a 12 by 24 space under tree cover can i raise chickens and rabbits together in this space you you can and i've done that before too even in indoor spaces i i uh, so the only thing you got to be careful of though is is rabbits are very susceptible to some diseases and a chicken's poop is very, um, uh, it could be very toxic to rabbits if they step and walk on it. So rabbits have a very fragile health. So I would, I would, you could raise them together, but I would keep them separate. I wouldn't let the rabbits kind of walk all over where chickens walk. Okay. But you can Thank have, you. if you're going to have rabbits in cages, I would have the cages elevated. And, uh, you know, you can have the chickens underneath. I've done that indoor, like, like in barns where, you know, because I used to raise like 250 rabbits at a time and, uh, you know, had like elevated cages inside in barns like in the wintertime and chickens down below. Okay. All right. Next question. How tall should we make our greenhouse? Does it need one of those roof vents or better to have windows for crosswinds? So my greenhouse is uh, is eight feet tall. I, I wouldn't necessarily grow go any lower but it all depends what you're going to grow if you're going to grow like beets and carrots and turnip it doesn't need to be eight feet tall you know because i like i've got tomatoes in there right now uh but if you're just going to grow root vegetables it doesn't need to be that tall 
you should have cross ventilation for when it gets really, really hot, obviously, because heat is just as, is as bad, if not worse than cold. Heat will kill mm -hmm. your crop like, like, you know, in one day. So you can have windows. I have a door on one side and then on the other side, because mine is a shed style roof, I've got just a little window that opens up. And, you know, we're in Cape Breton. We're surrounded by the ocean, so it's always windy here. So we always have a good cross breeze. So you should have a cross breeze that goes through. And if, okay. and if you don't, you can always put a fan in, like, a, you know, a 12 to 16-inch fan that just moves air. The main thing is you don't want to get mildew that, that goes in your, uh, that grows in your plants. Okay. Uh, we acquired some sweet potato shoots rooted from a large mama sweet potato. I planted them in the garden today. Is it enough time for them to mature? We live in southern Ontario between Chatham and Sarnia. Okay. Yeah, so you may have time. So what you may have to do, though, is uh, uh, depending on when your first frost date is, ours is early. It's usually like September 9th or 10th. You may have to just... Uh, Get some straw, like if you can find some straw now. And if you're, if you're, because the sweet potatoes do take a long time, you may have to just cover them with a good 12 to 18 inch layer of straw just so the, the frost won't get to them. But keep an eye on them so you, you, you know, you may have enough time. Okay, perfect. Uh, we live in an apartment without balcony. Would you advise some ways to plant and avoid the insects? And they're in an apartment building? Yeah. Insects? Well, insects shouldn't be too much of an issue, I don't think. Um, I'm wondering what type I, of insects there would be like yeah. that could bother them. All right, maybe yeah. whoever asked that question, if you could go to the Q&A and be more specific, we could give you a better answer. All right, um, I've got quite a number. I'm, I'm, I'm not reading or texting my friends. I'm looking <laughs> at questions yeah. coming in on my phone. All right, how to keep the underground cellar cold and dry rather than cold and damp where potatoes or garlic get moldy? Um, okay, well... Garlic, you don't want damp. Okay, I see the question. Yeah, so um, you would have to put a lot of insulation on the outside of whatever container you have, I assume. And then you'd have to have some sort of ventilation system, I would assume. That's something you'll have to YouTube. It used to be Google and YouTube were my two best friends. Google, not so much anymore, but YouTube still is a fairly good friend of mine. You'll, you'll have to YouTube that one because usually uh, cold storage, it, it's fairly damp. Yeah, and, and um, the other thing as well is making sure that it's sealed. My, my sister has done, yeah. she's building a home. They bought some land, and uh, while they were moving and building, they had uh, shipping containers. And so they actually cut the front of a shipping container off, or it was just one that was too long, and they've created a root cellar out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so they put oh. it into the land, and they're going to seal it with a really good door, and they've built wonderful shelves in there. They had to secure it, though, because once you put the dirt on, there was a little bending, <laughs> which wasn't looking good. But you can. You can be unique, and that's if you've got a piece of property where you could do that and you're able you know, to dig under the ground. Um, that's also another way. All right, uh, trends did you have a question as well we have we have uh, one question uh, sorry I did have one personal question that I would like to ask them yes. but we, we do have one last question here if you would like to take that first 
Oh, okay. Either way, you go. Okay. All right. So for, we'll, we'll ask, we'll go with the audience first. Uh, last question we have here is, and I apologize if I don't pronounce the name right, uh, Cheyenne, that's C-H. Shane, sorry, I believe Sh it's Shane. Is it Shane? Okay, Shane. I apologize. Shane, you should see a message pop up on your screen. And then I'll ask my question. Thank you. Now, uh, okay. I got it. Uh, can you hear me, Dan? I can hear you, my friend Shane Finley. Good, good. Okay, Dan. Uh, I've, uh, as I told you uh, on a PM message uh, a while ago, we were planning on doing uh, an outdoor uh, greenhouse as well. Now, um, what what I'm using is going to be using an old uh, Shelter Logic uh, garage frame. It's uh, 20, 20 by uh, 14 by, I think it's about 12 feet high. I'm wondering what type of plastic or what thickness of plastic would be best to uh, cover this with to be able to make it, uh, my wife wants to grow year-round, so I'm just wondering about what uh, thickness of plastic and also what would be the best route to heat it during winter. Okay, so you definitely want uh, UV uh, coated pl uh, plastic. Uh, you want at least a six mil plastic and you can get those at, um, you're in BC, right Shane? No, we're in Ontario. You're in Ontario, okay. Yeah, so uh, around here, like, uh, I think, I'm not sure if Home Depot carries those, but we have uh, garden centers here that, that will bring it in or have it. And what, if you want to grow year-round, the best thing to do, if you have that kind of a, a building, if you can put a layer of plastic on the outside and a layer of plastic on the inside so you have a dead air space, even if it's like three, two or three inches, that will be a natural insulator in there. As for uh, heat stores, if you can go like on Craigslist or Marketplace or whatever, uh, this may be a little bit of work though. If you can find an old air, forced air furnace for sale for like a couple hundred bucks, uh, if you know somebody that, that does oil changes or whatever and they can get you all of the used oil that you can find, uh, you can run it through a few filters, and a friend of mine does this. Um, you get a bit of a bigger nozzle on the furnace and run that furnace. It costs you nothing in fuel, just a little bit of electricity to run the, fan, the, the blower fan. Okay. That sounds great. Uh, I'm, Perfect. Uh, I, I'm a dealer in a, uh, 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 an automotive uh, lubrication company, so uh, I do get... My used oil. So that would be go. great. Awesome. Perfect. Okay. And just let me mention um, too, Tanya, mm -hmm. someone was mentioning in the chat they can't find my YouTube channel. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel, but it's like a personal channel with like all of my kids growing up and that. So, so I personally don't have a YouTube channel, but I do have um, just the list of suggested YouTube channels that I follow. I follow like 110, but I only put like maybe six or eight. In the resource right, and on, and on Action for Canada's uh, website now, we've created a, a, a food section, and Dan's information is going to be posted on that page, and we'll continue to uh, provide information as we come across it that will be helpful to all of you. So when Dan has a good link or a good video, he can send it our way, and we'll post it on Action for Canada if that's helpful to you. Okay, Terenzio. 
Yes. What's your I question, a, sir? I have a personal question, being Italian and growing a garden all my life with my folks. Um, I've actually just recently learned a couple of different hacks, and I'm wondering what your thought is on this. Uh, first off, obviously, we, we want to stay away from pesticides, especially ones where you have to buy because they might not even be available anymore. Uh, one hack is to use an aspirin. Uh, I don't know the exact amount, but you use an aspirin, and you can spray it on your plants, specifically tomatoes. And what it does is it kicks the plant into this hyper mode where it builds up itself, where it could withstand uh, a lot of disease. The other one is, I believe it's baking soda. And what it does is it, uh, once, you, once you spray it onto the plant, it, it creates uh, a barrier where if spores or fungus starts to grow on it, they actually have to eat through the, the baking soda first, which actually kills them because it's a, it's a salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, just wondering what your, your, what your thoughts are on going the organic way to protect your plants. Absolutely. So the aspirin I've not heard of, baking soda I have. What a lot of people do with tomatoes as well is put uh, Epsom salt around the plant. And the other thing that works that's organic as well is food-grade diatomaceous earth. And you can get that like right. at a, a, a farm feed store. And uh, we use that chickens as well, like in a container, and they give themselves a dust bath. And it's a natural de-louser for them as well. I think it's time for you to start a YouTube channel, brother. Thank you very much for your, for your answer. <laughs> In my spare this time, awesome. yeah. 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 Well, we're going to have to have you on again. I'm going to start maybe doing some specials. So, Dan, that would probably be helpful to people. Thank you, Trenzio. That was an awesome uh, subject to to bring up. Okay. Um, how much? Oh, yeah. Somebody is saying, how much time do we have to prepare? <laughs> I'd say start preparing now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's, it's like you know, it, it's going on eleven o'clock at night here. So first thing tomorrow morning start i mean get a grocery cart and start i mean i wish i could show you kind of what we've been doing here but non-perishable dry goods you know i mean uh, here we can still get like cans of stuff for like a dollar you know cans of beans and bags of beans and 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 things like um like just start now you know it may be too late in your area to put a garden in but find somebody who's got gardens in right now or find some like um, we like for us to, to get fruit here in, in Nova Scotia, we basically have to go down to the Annapolis Valley. So we're planning to go down with a large vehicle and get like the big bushel baskets and, and the big crates of apples. Like we're going into on this together. Let, let me just say this here because we've got so many chapters across Canada that just in our, on our chapter meetings on Mondays and our core chapter meetings here on Thursdays, we have groups with Action for Canada that are already doing this. So mm-hmm. if anybody is on the call right now tonight and you're not connected with a chapter, find a chapter that you can connect with and start asking questions. Because we've got communities here in Nova Scotia that are, that are already pulling together. We're already doing some of this. And, you know, we've got folks that, that are elderly that can't do this. We've got other people that aren't able to do this. So we're doing this now. And uh, we ha- we have to connect. I mean, winter, before you know it, winter will be here. So we have yes, to have our yeah. ducks in a row. The other thing, too, is our economy. I mean, our economy is um, all signs point to, I, I mean, Canada has agreed to start uh, using the digital currency the 1st of January. So for that to happen, our economy has to crash by the end of the year. So prepare now. Well, 
Yeah, and we're doing everything that we can to reasonably push back, but it has to be a nation of non-compliance uh, yeah. with, the, with the citizens. It's a long-honored tradition that when tyrannical governments rise up, that, uh, you know, that the citizens come out and do not comply. And uh, we are trying our best, working day and night, to educate and to provide communities and grow those up. But 70 people in a chapter is a whole lot different in having a voice than a 1,000. Uh, we've got, like I said earlier, the elections coming up in the fall in four provinces, uh, BC, Ontario, Manitoba, and PEI. And we have the power to take back any municipality um, if we can get the community involved and uh, school trustee uh, seats, right? So please get connected, help us out, uh, patiently wait as we are going to just really get back to vetting and get chapters into. We want to be in all 338 of the what would be federal ridings if we had a federal election, which could come this fall as well. Uh, but we want to be beyond that into every community, wherever there's a school board, wherever there's a township. Um, I think we should be there and working together. OK, a couple more questions, Dan, because as I said, as you said, it, it is late there. Uh, we were just talking about how to prepare and, and buy, buy, buy food. What are the best canned goods? I would want to say as organic as possible that you could get. Uh, do we want to stay away from Campbell's or do we want to buy whatever we can get right now? Well, I'd say get whatever you you can get right now. Uh, we're getting stuff that's uh, like goes on sale and you can get in case lots. You know, like uh, I, I planted a lot of tomatoes this year, but just in case, because you never know what can happen. You know, like you can get the really big cans of tomatoes, like diced tomatoes, spiced tomatoes or whatever, uh, pasta sauces and that. Uh, we can get the really big bags of uh, of pasta right now for $1.49, you know, so dry goods like that. So things that you can throw a meal together, you know, and mm -hmm. if you, uh, if you can, uh, you know, can some meats and stuff like that, I mean, it's easy enough to put a pasta meal together. Um, so just things like that. Uh, right. my wife can't eat certain beans and lentils and that, but like bags of beans and lentils, you can still get the big bags for like under $2, mm -hmm. you know, so you can get like, you know, like a, and like a Rubbermaid tote full of stuff like that, you know, you're ahead of the game. And I was just going, yeah, I was going to mention that as well. Um, for people who are in apartments, generally you have a storage area somewhere, you know, that you could be provided or townhomes and uh, or your crawl space. Buy Rubbermaid containers and make sure that if it's not a canned good that you store your good in there. Because, you know, just like that, for whatever reason, you may not have had rodent problems, but once you start bringing food around, you will. And uh, but if you have it sealed or in garbage cans, clean garbage cans, store those in your crawl space or wherever you're going to have the opportunity. Of course, the Rubbermaid bins are great for stacking and for labeling. I would not label uh, food items and things. A lot of times, if you have these apartments, you have a caged area. You don't want people knowing what you've got stored. Stored. Put Christmas decorations on it, or yeah. Easter, or something. But don't make it easy for people. There could be the potential, and not to scare anybody, but of some hard times coming. Uh, somebody has asked, "How long should we be preparing for?" We don't know. A year. Uh, I am, you know, buying extra because I've got kids uh, who don't necessarily have spaces. To, to store what's going to be needed. And um, so you know what, we just, we just have to prepare. We have to be prepared to help our neighbors, 
right? It's going to be a horrible thing to, to have enough food just for yourself. Um, but wouldn't it be amazing to have, a, have an abundance that you could have a ministry sharing with your neighbors in your community? Um, okay, Dan, I know that it's super busy there. Uh, Terenzio, did you say we had one more hand up? Yes, we do. We have uh, one okay. question, actually a few more if we have time. But first, last one that we did have is from Mel. Mel, uh, you should see a message pop up on your screen. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, and you just, can you hear me okay? Yes. Yes. Shoot. Can you hear me okay? We can hear you. Yes. Okay, sorry, my Wi-Fi is glitchy. I know, thank you, you've covered a lot of the food stuff. My last, my original question was going to be, um, how long do we store? I mean, honestly, our prepper group here in Saskatchewan is, some even have their backpacks ready and they're going to go on snowshoes. And I'm like, if it's that bad, I can't, I can't manage. So here's my question, two questions if I can ask. Water, any suggestions? How much? I know that's a tough one, but water. And then I know this, you're largely speaking food or mostly but if you even can comment on communications, um, this just kind of fits into the whole if everything goes down. Uh, Roger's going down. How does a whatever $4 billion company go down? How? I've got kids that are going to be in BC in school and I'm stuck in Saskatchewan. What do we do? Okay, so water is a big one. And I touched on that a little bit because, you know, you can buy all the water you want, but water is hard to carry and water is hard to come by. So I mentioned Berkey. If you go to the Berkey website, uh, and if we're talking, for example, winter, I mean, uh, and then I've got on there as well, the, the, the rocket stove. So in the middle of winter, you can build a tiny little rocket stove out of a, a couple of soup cans. Super easy to do. Or you can build a fire. You know, if you're out in snowshoes with a backpack, I mean, you're going to have to get creative that way. You melt snow or melt some ice. If it's winter and there's snow outside, you're, that's how we're going to have to do it. Uh, as for storing water, like in a home or whatever... Um, if you have, if you can store some water, I mean, store as much as you can. Water's still fairly cheap right now. But as for the Berkey filter, you can get the little Berkey filters. Some of them are the size of this glass. So if you can get something that small, you know, you'll, you'll pay a few bucks for it, but you can filter just about any water with it. If you melt some snow, dump it in the Berkey. Uh, someone's just putting, uh, Berkey sells an individual bottle with its own filter that you can use on the go. You can just... You know, scoop it in a river, in a lake or whatever, and there you go. You've got clean water on the go. As for communication, that's a big one because we do know that the cell towers can go down. We also know there's been rumors that there are some people, groups, and that that will be taking down the 5G towers. Now, not our groups, but there are some groups that will take down those 5G towers. People are talking about ham radios. Well, not everybody will have a ham radio or know how to use a ham radio. So it's important to get your communication alternatives done now. So, for example, in, in our group, we're, we're in the process of establishing, uh, okay, so if the grid goes down and the communication goes down, we're all going to meet at so-and-so's house or, you know, or at the church or someplace. So we have that set up. Now, if you have family or children or whatever in a different province, uh, that's just something you're going to have to try to figure out. It Like now, you know, we'll have to just figure this out now. Okay. Uh, it's not much of an answer. CB radios or whatever. I mean, we don't know 
what they plan to do or how they plan to do it. Uh, you know, an EMP will, will destroy a lot of different types of communication. Okay, super. Am I, am I muted, Trenzi, or am I on? No, you're on. I, I I'm on. Okay, I wasn't quite sure. Um, all right, Dan. I was just wanting so bad to make sure that we're answering everybody's questions. And then to wrap up, I think we'll wrap up now. Um, others have mentioned about uh, storing vitamins and, of course, uh, supplies. Um, sorry, I was just trying to remember what kind, and supplements as well. And then as well to make sure that you have first aid. You should be pretty much yeah. prepared for anything. Uh, pick up, um, it, it, like if there's a wound and it needs stitching, pick up whatever you need for that. You may not have uh, the ability to do that, but I think when the time comes, um, if there's an injury and uh, you know people are called upon, that there will be a nurse or a doctor nearby who can assist, and it's very handy to have that. Uh, those supplies available as well. So, all now, right. With medical Whew. supplies, we're we're having a hard right? time. Like I, you know, when I was really really sick there just back in May. I mean, uh, you know, we, we fortunately we have some friends that that are still in the hospital system, even though they're not vaxxed. They're still working in the hospital system, but we can't tell anybody. But you know, uh, I'm trying to get more IV supplies than that because I, I can still do IVs and stuff, even though I'm not practicing as a paramedic anymore. I'm retired, but uh, even trying to get like some uh, IV supplies and uh, we can't get them anymore. We, we're going to all the websites and we just can't get them anymore. They're all out of stock. So people are hoarding stuff or people are, are stocking up already. So we're trying to go okay. to alternate supplies. So. Yeah, you're right, Tanya. If, if people can just stock up on those things, and um, there will be people in our groups that are uh, trained medical professionals that, that uh, will need to, uh, to use those things. Right. Yeah. Sad, but uh, true that we're having to have these conversations. But, uh, you know, we want to 100% be prepared for anything and everything. And hopefully with all our hard work, we're going to turn things around. Like I say, we've had some amazing wins recently. Even when we consider Pastor Arthur, the fact that three appeal court judges decided in his favor and to say actually what Judge Germain did was illegal. Uh, you know, just didn't stop that, um, you know, that there, there was some sort of violation, but to use the term illegal. So we're excited about this, but we're still going to prepare. We think there's wisdom in that. Okay, Dan, thank you so much for coming on tonight. This has been not only, yep, there we go. That's our guy. <laughs> Chapter leader extraordinaire. And thank you as well, because you oversee all of the maritime provinces as well. We don't only have, we don't only have chapter leaders in all of the locations we've shown you, but in order to uh, support them and facilitate them, we now have as well provincial chapter uh, leaders. And Dan happens to be one of those for the Maritimes. He's very involved with Action for Canada. He's very involved with helping his community. And he didn't even, I didn't even have to ask him twice if he would come on the show tonight and present and provide us with all of this incredible information. So Dan, in closing, uh, why don't I give you a moment, uh, you know, to close and you know, what would be great. I mean, you're a man of many talents and, uh, you know, you've been a pastor and as you said, a paramedic and all of the farming, uh, and agriculture experience you have, but would you close us in prayer tonight? I would just I love would that. Love I would love okay. to. Tanya. Yeah. Heavenly father, it's been a pleasure to be with all of these fine folk across their country and to do this presentation. 
And more than anything, Lord, I pray for everyone that's on this call, those that may have some fear and trepidation as to what's going on in the world. And certainly we don't want to instill fear into anyone. We do want to be prepared. We do want to do everything that uh, is within our power, Lord, to uh, face the coming days, months, and years. But we do know, Lord, that you, uh, you tell us in your word that there is coming a time when uh, evil will just play itself out. And uh, you give us a wonderful promise of an eternal home in heaven. And the gift is ours to take. But we must receive your son, Jesus Christ, as our personal Lord and Savior. And I pray that everyone that's on this call tonight will consider the free gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has provided for us. So bless each and every one. I pray that you'll bless Tanya and uh, the whole team, Lord, as we uh, continue to do your work. And we thank you for the victories that are won and we look forward to the victories to continue. So bless each and every one as we go our separate ways. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Dan, so much. Bless you. And we'll, All right. thank you. Well, we'll, we'll be seeing you at a Zoom meeting soon, <laughs> chapter leader meeting soon. All right. Well, thank you to everybody for joining us tonight. I love what Dan said, uh, you know, about fear. We shouldn't have fear. And uh, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about God not giving us a spirit of fear. That's a fear is of the enemy of the devil himself who's roaming on the earth right now, right now to see who he can devour. And when I say about devour, when you think about how fear is um, paralyzing people in this nation, those who are still wearing masks and who are complying with these orders. And I just thank God so many people are really truly waking up in this nation. So we do boldly speak about God because we believe that he's still on the throne and he's all powerful. And as I've said before, he is allowed us to suffer a little because we turned our back on him as a nation and we got to get back and we got to get right so i'm going to leave it at that i hope you'll join us next week i'm excited about that we're going to talk about cross-border traveling and domestic traveling um i i love it because remo has agreed to come on and uh yeah so we're gonna see you next week i just want to say god bless you and god bless canada
Thank you.